I was clueless on that first one. I didn't have a clue. I didn't even know there were races other than marathons. Well, after New York, you know, I had not that time off it. And I, I started to get into it more and I started to run more, still pretty much on my own, but um, I started to knock chunks of time off, you know. So the next one I did like 3.40 or something. And then I wanted to get under 3.30 wow. and I achieved that. And then I wanted to get under 3.15, you know, and I got that. And so I just kept on training and I got the running magazines and I started following programs out of the running magazines. And I sort of plateaued at just outside, about 3.08, I think. I plateaued, I couldn't get any quicker. And so then I joined Stockport Harriers. I did World's Fastest Baby and I got that. I did World's Fastest Schoolboy and I got that. I did, I went for World's Fastest Smurf. A fairy, I did a fairy one. Yeah. I mean, the fairy and the baby, they looked terrific. It looked horrible. You know, I you didn't, sort of think it through and then sometimes I'd go and I'd try a costume out because you know it's important I had like an inflatable horse thing I was going to do around London and I went off down the canal on it and it was a disaster it was never going to work I think the best impact I ever had was with what they used to call a pair of cheeky breeks and that's a pair of shorts with a bum on a plastic bum oh right <laughs> you had the impact at the front of similar to what you had in Barcelona I know that bloke who's that and I'd be look around they saw what they thought was a bare bum <laughs> Emmerdale had, largely through Chris Chittell, who plays Eric Pollard, for people who watch the yeah. show, who's been there for donkey's years. Absolute He's always been donkey. a runner. When I first arrived at work, you know, it's like you're looking for associations with people so that you can get a connection. And yeah. I knew he was a runner. And so oh. I got talking to him first day and said, hi, Chris, you know, I'm a runner as well. Wonderful. Come and join the team. You know, and he got me involved with the leukemia uh, with, with the Bloodwise team back then. And at one stage, we had 16 people doing the Great North Run. Hi, my name is Michelle Lewis. 10 years ago, you'd have been lucky to see me run to the end of the road. These days, running is second nature to me. From marathons to park runs to putting my own running group through their paces, you'll often see me in suitably loud attire, getting ready to pound the pavement. And here's a secret. If I can do it, you can too. There's so many wonderful and inspiring stories in the world of running, and not just running. Some of my favourite tales involve those who take to their wheelchairs, bikes, or simply their own trusty feet in an attempt to get fitter, faster, or just have some fun. In this podcast, I'm going to be in conversation with some of the most inspiring and fascinating of these people. Remember, it's your time, your speed, your way. The only person you need to keep up with is yourself. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of Running Tales. And this week's guest I met in Barcelona. He saw me at mile three with my Union Jack top on and gave me a shout out. And it was a case of running a few miles thinking, I know this bloke. I know him. And then the name came to me and I was like, whoa. And then at mile 26, I had 200 meters to go. And I don't know if you remember this, but we'll talk about it. I don't know if you just saw, or the fact that you just saw that I had, you know, me again with my GB top on, that I just looked at the 26 mile point and um, looked at my watch that said 26.7 and I just deflated <laughs> and you came from nowhere and said come on you've got this and all of a sudden I just had all this energy and race to that finish line and got my best marathon time and I, it's to this guest and then a couple of months later 
after telling my mum and dad that I met this person who are big fans and it was a case of yeah 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 to then do a marathon in Brighton with my dad and then meet this guest 10 miles in because my dad got injured and we said hello to each other and had a good old natter and you said hello to my dad and said some nice words that now that my mum and dad 100% believe me, not that they shouldn't because I'm their daughter, but the guest I'm talking about is Tony Aldenshaw, who is better known as Bob in Emmerdale, or lately on YouTube, he does In The Shed. But what I would, I'm curious to know, and like you, is what is his running tail? So over to you, Tony. Well, my running tail is that I only meet people and marathons beginning with B. <laughs> Yes. And I do that because of my on-screen name, Bob. So I did, no, I really, I did Barcelona and then I did Oslo. And then really? Brighton. No. Oh, what? no. <laughs> <laughs> but you were yeah. supporting, you were supporting, you wasn't running. That's right. I mean, to, with, with uh, Barcelona, my mates were running it. I might have been injured at the time or you were, you I, certainly, were. I certainly yeah. wasn't up for it. I ended up actually running miles that day, getting between different places. I had a Vivrizuela with me. I've got a mate who's got an apartment in Barcelona. And so he runs there a lot and he's done the marathon a few times. And uh, so that's why I was there then. And then I was at Brighton because uh, two really good friends of my wife who had never run. I mean, they had never run. Oh, wow. Okay. And they decided to run that, well, very early on with this, but my wife was ill and my wife died. And at my wife's funeral, I did a little speech uh, saying how people could achieve things, you know, if they put their mind to it, because that was something she really believed in. And I didn't realise, but I'd sowed a seed with her oldest friend, Sharon, and her mum, Olivia. And then, like, six months later, I got a message off them saying, we've just completed the Manchester Half Marathon, and we're going to do Brighton. And so we went down to support them, and we got her old schoolmates together as well, and they surprised her at Brighton as well. I've got to say, Brighton was... It was a totally different experience to me because Sharon and Olivia were further towards the back of the pack and I spent a lot of time chatting with people at the back of the pack and, uh, you know, learnt a lot from the experience. You met the fun runners. You met the serious marathon runners. <laughs> it wasn't the elite. fun for some of them. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, whatever level you're running a marathon at, it's hard work. It's really hard if you're doing it in two hours and a bit. It's really hard if you're doing it in three hours and a bit or four hours and a bit or seven hours and a bit. You know, it's, it's hard for anybody. So let's get down to you. When did you start running? I ran a bit when uh, I was at school. I did cross country mainly so I could get home and watch Pebble Mill at one. You didn't have to, if you did cross country, you didn't have to go in and do games. And I wasn't that keen on games. So I did a little bit of running then. And then when I was at college, I did a little bit of running and I did a race, run, run the world. I don't know if you remember that. Everybody wants yes, yes. to run the world. Here's <laughs> Fears did an actual version of it and went to Hyde Park and did a 5K or whatever, I can't remember. And then just dropped it really. And then um, I put some weight on, quite a bit of weight in my late 20s, early 30s, and I got this, uh, a mate of mine who was an actor, you know, it's quite a small sort of business, and uh, I, I met him, how are you doing? Yeah, oh, I saw Julian, and he, he asked me uh, about, he said he'd seen, he said, is Tony still? Fat. 
yeah. Big bones, big bones. And, and I was, and I was, you know, and it resonated with me. And, uh, and so I signed up for Manchester Marathon then in 1996 and went and did that. It was horrific. So when you started and you signed up, did you start on your own or did you join a club or did you just run with some friends? What, what got you through mentally to get through that first race? I just did it on my own. I remember going to Ron Hill's shop in, in Hyde, which was near us, and buying these bright green uh, shorts, short shorts, proper short runner shorts, and a purple vest. And then going out for my first run, and my wife just laughing at me. Look at this day. Please know, tell and, me you wore a jock strap or something. You did wear pants <laughs> with <the> short shorts. <laughs> well, I do tend to wear an underpant <laughs> under my shorts. I think it's essential. <laughs> yes <laughs> but I can't remember because it's a long time ago but I probably would have done yeah I remember going out and not being able to run a mile you know and this is before couch to 5k and all that I didn't really have much to go off I had a pamphlet that the Manchester Marathon gave out that, that sort of had a training program in but I wasn't at the level where I, I could mm. you know I couldn't run a mile so I went out and just kept on going out and just put up with it and it was horrible you know what it's like when you start off and just persevered and then you know, I did it. You did. And what was it like when you crossed the line and you got that medal put over your neck? Did you think, take it off me, it weighs too much? Or, yay, I did it. Well, yeah, I mean, the, even though I didn't train perfectly, the, the overriding feeling was that the achievement wasn't the marathon, but the achievement was the training for it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was really hard. And, you know, 20 miles in or whatever, completely went bonk. I started to walk. I'd not trained enough. I found some dextrosol at the side of the road and I, I ate them and they gave me a bit of a boost. And I struck it lucky in that when I finished the race, they were filming a, a TV show called Born to Run and I knew a couple of the actors on it. And I, I saw them and, and they got me in with the, like the tucker truck, you know, and I got to eat a decent meal <laughs> afterwards. But I thought after it, you know, never again. I'm never going to do that again. It was absolutely terrible. <laughs> and then what happened? You booked a race. <laughs> Well, I just, yeah, I, a few, well, I left it a few years to 99 and my mum was ill, my mum had cancer and I thought, well, I've done it once, I could maybe do another, you know, at the time they did, um, it was cancer research, it was the Imperial Cancer Research Fund, which has right. since become cancer research and I believe they've even joined up with somebody just this week. So right. they did a thing where you went to New York, you know, and you got, you got your trip paid, other people paid for your trip, you know what it was like, and you raise money and then you go over and so I did New York Marathon for oh. Imperial Cancer Research and of course just the fact I'd, I'd carried on running a bit during that time. Um, I got a, a net time under four hours. That one in Manchester did four hours, either 4.19 or 4.24, I can't remember. But I showed an improvement of about 20 minutes, maybe more, and that really sort of spurred me on to think, oh, actually, it wasn't as bad this time around. <laughs> maybe I could do more of these. Do you think it was because it was New York, the, you know, the biggest marathon in the world, and the support is amazing over there? Yeah, it, it did make a big difference. But I trained more. I trained oh, more, okay. full stop, you know. And so that made, I knew what I was doing a bit more. I was clueless on that first one. I didn't have a clue. I didn't even know there were races other than marathons that you did. Oh, you right. Know, okay. Was, oh, yeah. I didn't have a clue. So then what happened after New York? Well, after New York, you know, I would not that time off it. And I, I started to get into it more and I started to run more, still pretty much on my own. But, um, I started to knock chunks of time off, you know, so the next one I did like 3.40 or something. 
And then I wanted to get under 330 wow. and I achieved that. And then I wanted to get under 315, you know, and I got that. And so I just kept on training and I got the running magazines and I started following programs out of the running magazines. And I sort of plateaued at just outside, about 308, I think. I plateaued, I couldn't get any quicker. And so then I joined Stockport Harriers, I joined a running club and started going to track. And that, you know, because I knew I'd, I'd got as far as I could doing what I was yeah. doing. And so it made a massive difference to my training, you know. And for somebody who's not a natural runner, you know, I'm not. I'm well, not, you I'm say not. that, but to get well, like just over three hours, knock an hour off from your first marathon to then, you obviously, and you're not getting younger, not being horrible, you're getting older, but you're getting faster. So you're showing that age is not a barrier. Well, it's a while ago, though. You know, this is a while ago. This is like 50, you know, 15, <laughs> no, 20 years ago. No, ignore that bit. Ago. We'll edit that bit in the podcast. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, it is age, isn't it, Barry, at the same time? You know, it I is, know a fellow, yeah. Derek Ivans, who, you know, he got all his PBs from 5K to 50 miles at the age of 50. So, really? I mean, they say that you're on a 10-year improvement curve. I know that's only a rough guidance, but actually, if you train and train properly, the improvement that you get off that curve can't beat the you know the decline that you get that I've discovered since as I've got older and I <laughs> that's the weight more. that's the weight when you put your you know grow your beard and that that's what we'll say there <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I don't mind you know it's part of just part of you know I know that I work really hard to achieve those times you know and I really wanted to get into three hours and after a few years I did it I did it in 2004 it took me a long time to do it I did I got a three hours and four seconds at London that was really difficult to cope with at the time uh because i was so obsessed with running then you know i was really into it so what was but your I, back then when you was obsessed was you yeah. running every day or what was your weekly training twice a day Just, i mean you know twice a day as well you know i mean too much too much really but i got a track tuesday thursday and i'd do a long run paced long run on a sunday i'd do a threshold run every week and then i'd film a week in you know, and do 70 mile weeks just regularly. Wow. You know, running was, was high up on my agenda of importance at that time. And so you didn't think about that. aiming for the Olympics then at the rate you was going? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe at Bulls or something, but I'd get nowhere near there running. So um, what's, what's your running now? What is it, your distance for races? I know we're in COVID at the moment, but before that, what's your ideal distance? Ooh, ideal, well, it's, you know, it's, I don't race much anymore, really. You know, I enjoy, I mean, I went from doing marathons and did a lot of marathons, you know. I do, How many? I, I, did, I did a lot. I mean, I, I, I've not got a, I've, if you include ultras, I've done over 50. So, but oh, I don't, I don't okay. know exactly how many. So we do regularly do proper racing, a spring marathon and an autumn marathon. And as a family, we'd build um, an autumn marathon around a holiday. So okay. and go away with friends, you know, and we'd do like Mallorca or the sort of Luberon in France, you know. Or Who Amsterdam. started that in the family? Was it you? Because I bet you're not loved. If it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, you know, they, the kid got a holiday still. True, you know, my true. wife by this time she didn't run when I started running but she ran I mean she oh. maybe, what, Ruth, Ruth did like 10 marathons four ultras you know and she uh so she was quite happy to run as well and like our friends ran so it was just a really nice way of having the autumn break and I do other sort of marathons in between as well you know and then and then when I, I couldn't get any faster um I did things where like I did fancy dress marathons I was part of the 
Good, um, good. What was Leukemia Research Fund then became Leukemia and Lymphoma Research Fund and then became Bloodwise and now it's called Blood Cancer UK. This is how long we've been going at these things. They've had multiple name changes. And I was part of their team. And their team was the first time that um, celebrities, you call them, had been linked with running. And uh, they went, you know, way back to the, to, to the 70s. And so it was great to be uh, part of that team and I'd do, I'd do runs with them. But when I got a bit slower, I'd have to, bet my job was to get their vest either on the telly or in the newspapers and magazines. And so what I had to do then was go into fancy dress. And so I, went, I did quite a few fancy dress marathons and got a couple of Guinness World Records along the way doing that to try and get that charity vest out there, you know, and, and get more money in for the charities. Now, I'm a big fancy dress runner as well. I'm yeah. big. And I've, I'll send you some links during lockdown what I was up to. But yeah. what, what, please give me examples. Just for me personally, what was you fancy dressing as? The first one I did was, uh, the first one was Elvis. Okay. Yeah, I can imagine oh, that. I did a thing called Tarzan's Banana Phone where I did it in a loincloth. But I can't remember if that was the first. I did an Elvis where they were actually promoting people to do the Guinness World Record as the fastest Elvis, which is somebody very, very quick now. I did that. I did the world's fastest baby and I got that. I did world's fastest schoolboy and I got that. I did I went for world's fastest Smurf. <laughs> I've Papa got to see Smurf. pictures. You have to put these on your social media. I have well, to see pictures. <laughs> I think I've got photos somewhere of all this, all this nonsense. A fairy, I did a fairy one. Yeah, I mean, the fairy and the baby, they looked terrific. It looked horrible. <laughs> you know, I, you didn't sort of think it through. And then sometimes I'd go and I'd try a costume out because, you know, it's important. I had, had like an inflatable horse thing I was going to do around London. And I went off down the canal on it. And it was a disaster. It was never going to work. So I just did the race once with Emu. <laughs> with some Prince Charles ears on the top hat. Just, it was stupid. And he did it once with, uh, I think the best impact I ever had was with what they used to call a pair of cheeky breeks. And that's a pair of shorts with a bum on, a plastic bum. Oh, right. He had the impact at the front, of, similar to what you had in Barcelona. I know that bloke. Who's that? And I did look around, they saw what they thought was a bare bum. <laughs> so it was absolutely brilliant. You know, it worked oh, really well. Brilliant. And easy to wear. I can recommend it. Really easy to wear. Not well, like you've a, heard a it here. <laughs> yeah, or a fridge on your back to get attention. <laughs> so have you at London? Because I've noticed in I love I never got into London. I've done 15 marathons to date. And I love watching London marathons. I love watching the elite runners and I love looking out for the fancy dress, trying to find the wackiest one. And I do also now I've noticed in recent years, they do do, do the celebrities and they monitor how far they're going. Have you done that? I don't think I've seen you in recent years do it or have I missed yeah, you? I've <laughs> not done it for the last few years. I've not, uh, yeah, I've not done London for, well, be three or four years. Since, since Ruth was ill, really, I've not, I didn't feel like doing it, so I didn't do it. Uh, before that, yeah, I was part of all that and fastest celebrity. And there was a bit of a thing where BBC artists were favoured over ITV artists. And obviously I'm an ITV artist. So sometimes ITV artists wouldn't feature on that sort of thing because they had no association Shame. with the feed. All that stuff goes on. It's, you know, a lot of nonsense, really. Um, but I love London. I mean, you say New York's the biggest in the world. I think London's the biggest marathon in the world. They're very similar to run, 
But I think London's got that edge of just being that little bit more magic. And I'm sorry I haven't had a chance to run it. And I hope that you will get that experience. Fingers crossed one day. Fingers crossed. Obviously, you know, where you work, you know, it's very hilly. And I heard earlier in previous training in your younger days that, you know, you did tempo and that. But do you do hill training, especially round where Emma Dale's films? Do you use those hills? Where Emmerdale's film, film, it's filmed in the studios in the centre of Leeds. So we've got a canal oh. towpath nearby. The village is eight miles away uh, in a place called Eckup. And there are hills around there, but I tend to do sort of undulating loops and that sort of thing. I do a lot of hill work where I live, which is in the Derbyshire Peak District. Oh, perfect. And I go through stages where I'll follow some sort of a plan. I've just, I've just done 11 weeks three sessions a week where it's largely been hill sessions um where i'll take you know a local hill and i'll do it three times or five times depending on the length of it um I've st- i'm on strava so i've started using strava segments as as ways to motivate myself when i'm running on my own uh and do that but yeah i don't really run much around work i tend to run at home more but don't you get um encouraged by the youngsters on the set the the guy that played andy was a bit of a fitness but he did a lot of weightlifting. did you know did he ask you for any experience there's something this yeah kelvin fletcher he's a great lad you know he's a, yeah, he's a great dancer too as we've discovered yeah. wow who knew that he, was absolutely, <laughs> he owned that show didn't he no i mean there's a lot of you know there's a lot of people a lot go down the gym emmerdale had largely through chris chitell who plays Eric Pollard, for people who watch the yeah. show, who's been there for donkey's years. Absolute He's always been donkey. a runner. When I first arrived at work, you know, it's like you're looking for associations with people so that you can get a connection. And yeah. I knew he was a runner. And so oh. I got talking to him first day and said, hi, Chris, you know, I'm a runner as well. Wonderful. Come and join the team. You know, and he got <laughs> me involved with the leukemia, uh, with, with the Bloodwise team back then. And at one stage, we had 16 people doing the Great North Run, which wow. is amazing. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of people. I know that EastEnders had a big, uh, a, a big input in London. Was it last mm. year or the year before? You know, when Barbara Windsor was ill. Last um, year, yeah. Yeah. And we've got a big, we, we, it's a real shame, but we were going to do a Ride London this year. We had a big team again of, of people um, to do a cycling events. So we're, we're fit. There's a lot of us who are fit, but it's not so much just the younger people, you know, a lot of the olders, yeah. pensioners are actually quite fit. <laughs> oh. So how have you been coping during COVID? You said you've been doing heels. Have you had family around with you as well and friends to keep you, you know, mentally, you know, alive? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, early, early on, it was, it was a very different picture, wasn't it? You know, and I didn't go out. I've got a treadmill, which I'm lucky to have. I've got a Zwift bike, so I, I can oh. exercise in the home if I want to. Um, I was nursing a little injury early on as well, so I didn't really, those first few weeks, I didn't go out much. Then tentatively would go out for runs, you know, open and see anybody and all that, following <laughs> the guy. Like, you know what it was like? Terrible. Oh, look at them. You know, it was like invasion of the body snatchers, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> But since then, you know, pretty much. I mean, it, it does seem certainly anecdotally and, and hopefully we'll get some proof through, you know, soon that, that there's very little uh, passing of the virus outside. You know, what's it been? One case, two cases that we found. So I think we're all right, really, running outside. It'd be great to have a bit of proof. I know Part Run have part funded um, 
a research, haven't they, recently into, in, into it. So let's hope we get the results of that and uh, we can all get out running as much as we like. <laughs> can I ask you, are you a park runner? Because I'm a big park runner and I'm a run director at my local park run in Northampton. So I can talk park run the rest of this episode. But <laughs> are you a park runner? I do park run. Yay. I, I, I don't park run loads and loads and loads. It's, well, I mean, I, I park run very early when, because obviously I knew Tom Williams, who, uh, you know, who, well, he's, where's he? CEO of Park Run. And I, I knew Tom because Tom was married to Helen Williams, who was the photographer of our works. So I used to run a lot okay. with Helen. So I met Tom through Helen. Okay. We used Small to world. run together all those years ago. And then Tom, was mooting doing a, a, a podcast, which I didn't really know what a podcast was, about running with Martin Yelling called Marathon Talk. And he, he was just asking for guidance, any ideas about it, blah, blah, blah. And he said, and I said, well, I, if you want, I'll do a little piece every week. And so um, I started to do a thing called Tony's Trials on Marathon Talk way back 10 years ago, oh, uh, no, not knowing long? how long how long it last but sorry that's a, that's a convoluted way of getting to park run so i knew he was involved with park when i did the leeds one very early on and i did the bramall one which was very very early on maybe one of the top five and local to me are marple and lime park which is a bit like a fell race i know we shouldn't say the word race but it is so sometimes yeah. i'll go along and run those and make it part of a long run um but my hours are so odd in the week that I get lots of time in the week to run. So I don't really make it part of my, I must do part run. You know, yeah. I understand it. I understand totally how people love it so much. And how it's an amazing part of their lives. You know, and I will go and I've volunteered a few times, but it isn't Good. That was my next question. Have you volunteered? Because if you haven't, you'll go down in my estimations, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I have done. I have done, yeah. You know, at Lime Park. Have I done at Marple? I can't remember. Not for a while, but I've not part run for well, a while yeah. either. Well, yeah, but it's something you will take back up, you know, it's... Yeah, you know. When I mean, you've got the time. Yeah, and when I'm back doing it again, and yeah, you know, especially if one came locally. Yeah. Um, and I know that, and I, I sort of get the sense that they're thinking about it, either in New Mills where I live or in Hayfield. It's just getting the right place, isn't it, and doing it, you know. So, yeah, then yeah. it's a lot easier to get to and make it part of your week and not let people down, isn't it? Yeah. Well, can we mention Marathon Talk? Because you've just been on there this week on episode 555. And then you was asked what you're going to do this week. Yeah. And then you stumbled on what podcast you was going on and going, Michelle, yeah, Michelle Miles, Michelle running. <laughs> <laughs> can you just get it out there that it was running tales? <laughs> running tales. You'll know that if you're listening to this. You'll know it. I'm really sorry about that. So and I, I normally put it in the, in the show notes and I do need to follow these things. And then it suddenly dawned on me. Oh, I've not mentioned it. And then I just, I just blanked. And the thing was, the first time. in a previous episode, I've done Liz yelling. So it was funny as well that you was talking to Tom and didn't click, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you anyway for giving Michelle me a mention. So thank you. What would you say, if we round this off, Tony, would be your best advice to anyone thinking of starting running? Well, I'd say you can do it. For one, you can do it. It's not always pleasant. It's not always enjoyable. Don't think just because people are banging on all the time about it being super great and wonderful on social media all the time. It isn't really. A lot of it's a bit of a drag. A lot of it's a pain. But you can do it. 
Um, don't compare yourself to other runners. It doesn't matter that other runners are faster than you. If you go for a run with somebody, don't worry that you're behind them or in front of them. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it, just, right. it really genuinely doesn't matter. You can get faster if you want to get faster, you know, by doing interval sessions and that sort of thing. I think for a marathon, if you want to improve your marathon time, I think a threshold run is the thing which will give you the most improvement and that's running at a very high aerobic level over distance it's uncomfortable but when it comes to race day it makes the, the whole thing easier um just enjoy it most people who are runners are nice people most of them and so you know you'll get a great social life out of it you'll find all of a sudden that once you go into running that your friend group changes and true. that you you know and that very all of a sudden true. you have a different set and it all it's all about the people that you run with and you start to eat with them and go on holidays with them and drink with them and all that sort of thing as well so i take it then that you're not worried about your diet when you're running you just eat what you want and i do i'm you know i've got a sugar tooth i've, I've got a, i've got a, a not a great diet um and i know that uh it is <laughs> It's a bit of an issue for me in that when I started running, I ran really to lose weight and it, you know, and it sort yeah. of worked because I was looking after the kids when they were small and, you know, I'd finish off the yogurts and all that. And, uh, you know, I'm a greedy person and I know that it's really important that, that we don't say that, you know, running is a punishment for food. I totally get that. But for me, um, it, it is a way of me keeping the weight down a bit. Um, and so, yeah, I can't eat what I want, unfortunately. <laughs> if I did, I'd be massive. I run miles now and I'm overweight. <laughs> you know, and it feels terrible. <laughs> so final question then. Are you a rain runner or a sun runner? Well, I'm, I'm more of a sun runner, really. I like to go out when it's sunny. I don't mind if it rains once I'm out there. But, uh, you know, I'll look outside if it's raining. I won't go out as much, but I will do. And I did that Manchester Marathon in 2012, which if anybody did that, it was in apocalyptic weather. <laughs> <laughs> and so everything after that actually seems okay. Oh, well, thank you, Tony, for, you know, doing this episode with us. And it was so lovely to have you on and catch up with you again. It's been a delight. And I'll look out for you in Berkhamsted or Birmingham or wherever you're going to run your next marathon. Brussels or... <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this week's Running Tales podcast. Please, please, please leave us a rating or review wherever you listen. It helps other people find us so they can listen too. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week for another Running Tale.